Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On this episode of the History Worth Saving podcast, we are talking to... A remarkable man, a man who at the age of 23 left his, in his own words, rather normal life behind and set off into the wilderness. To be exact, he set off into the wild and he did it, as he says in this article in Idaho Magazine, which I will link to in this show story. He said, I do this work year after year for the love of all things wild. His name is Michael Ridge and he is walking with Western wildflowers and he is presumably right now, Michael, I'm not sure where you're at. Are you at your winter camp yet? uh, We actually actually just got finished walking. I'm going to be a little heavy breast, but we got the horses in here just today and just in time to talk with you guys today. I think it's wonderful. Now, you went full mountain man, for lack of a better word, at the age of 23. And now you're 30-something at this point, still doing this, still talking to us. For, for someone like me that is completely uneducated on on the way of walking with Western wildflowers, give me the the Reader's Digest nutshell version of this. Well, well, it's, it's pretty simple, you know, and I was very young when I had actually found a mentor or teacher or a very mean gypsy woman, whatever you want to call it. But this person ran me through a boot camp of, of a whole new world. And I was not very well equipped for the world, but I was willing. And it took me a couple years. I actually met, met my mentor at 21 years old. So it took me a couple years to get my stuff together. But despite coming from the city and largely not knowing how to do many things, it is the full immersion and the commitment that it is more or less sink or swim. And I really wanted it. And so, so this will be my eighth winter in a teepee this year. This marks my eighth birthday on October 17th. And so I consider myself to be born again out onto the land to where I know how to clothe myself, feed myself, shelter myself through the all seasons and travel safely with my horses through mountain trails or along the highway next to semi trucks. And so we're living in this balance of these two different worlds. And it's very important to know how to navigate both of them. And your work out there, the work that you're doing for all of us and for the lands, uh, is you're tending to these wild gardens uh, where this bounty of food exists every spring and throughout the summer. For those with eyes to see it, well, you know, one of the biggest joys I have 
is coming into a community of people. Maybe I've never been there before, or maybe I've been there. But either way, I know the food's there. And I like to introduce that to the local community because sometimes you have people that have grew up their whole life in this area, walking all over this food, massive, abundant, diverse gardens, hundreds of species of food, and they had no idea. And and you can imagine what that might be for them, a huge perception shift, and I get to watch it. That brings me tremendous joy. I love it, and I love I love thinking about this. This is the first show where the guest uh, is in a teepee, presumably sitting by a fire somewhere, <laughs> talking That's to right. me. I mean, That's how right. cool is that? Talk talk to me about about your childhood. You were born in '89 out in the out in the West there up in Spokane, and you said you went to 14 schools in 12 years. That sounds much like a military child, a child it, it constantly certain, moving. <laughs> It certainly does sound like that, and I get that often, but actually, actually, it was a very unstable family life for me growing up, and I won't go into too much deal, too much detail, because it's a big, long story, but in short, you know, I went to a lot of schools, and sometimes we would just move a couple houses down, and it's a new school district, so yeah, I went to six elementary schools, two middle schools, and six high schools. And what that did for me, something that I can that I can really see affected how I was raised in this world was, you know, I, I was forced to be charismatic. I had to make friends easy uh, and, and get good at that. And so charisma came right off the bat. And then also there was a lot of ambiguity in my schoolwork because, oh, you know, different school districts do things different. Counties do things different. States do things different. And so largely there was a huge ambiguity in my education and I was never interested in school but I was interested in you know knowing myself and so I was pretty sure I didn't want to work for a living I was I was so certain I didn't want to do that but you know I got really comfortable in that constant transition and that's what I live in today is constant transition and that's actually how the world operates is in constant movement and the seasons change, and and being out here is no different in that way. And you every know, season is, holds. It is movement, and I and I love that. I love I love the uh, the word movement that's uh, literally tattooed across your hands. There, I think I think it's I think it's fascinating. But what what strikes me about this, and I think this is the real uh, great thing that you've discovered in this. Here's here here you are now in your thirties, uh, a child, as you said that. Uh, it had a really unstable childhood where lots of movement happened, but now there is this stability in your world. Nature is constant, and no matter where you're at or where you're moving and experiencing that, do you, do you find comfort in, in the regularity of nature? It's extremely comforting. It's, it's, more, it's more the knowledge that's hidden you know, and, and this touches on this touches on the lack of understanding of our world, which I think, you know, you know, it's been described to me as a, a, a great crime against humanity, a robbery, something that was stolen from each and one each and every one of us, which is uh, to know your world intimately, to know these different plants, to know the different animals, to know what their sounds are. And and so much of that needs to be reclaimed in so many of us 
if if that's even a point of interest for people but i can tell you from personal experience when you understand and participate with your world on an intimate level you find your place and your niche and your belonging in this place and and that belonging, that sense of belonging doesn't come from your peers. You don't look over your shoulder. You don't look at your neighbors for reassurance. It's all fed to you. It's all self-feeding. It's really incredible. It's your, it's your motivation and everything. You don't, you don't have to summon it. It's there. Talk to me about your relationship with our ancestors who lived on the land that you're tending to right now. Talk to me about that that bond? Have you discovered something in yourself or uh, that's maybe come into you from the land? Well, I might have a skewed view there. I, I tend to call, I tend to call my personal ancestors ancestors. And I, I just look up to the native ancestors so much, you know, and, and it's a, it's much like that do as the Romans do. So if you're, if you find yourself in a place where, you know, this isn't, this isn't the place of your ancestors and you should probably get to know, what's here and participate with what's here. And that would, that would uh, enable your connection to this place and ultimately find that sense of belonging. Personally, I have no knowledge of my background or heritage or anything. And I've tried, I've tried to find out those things, but you know, in, in, in my family, it was never valued culturally enough to keep alive, I guess, you know, and there's not much I can do about that. You hear so much today when you're, you know, living in the world, like all of us are forced to do, who have not yet jumped off into the wild and rediscovered it. But walk me through the things that are important to you, Michael, in in everyday life. uh, What's important? What really matters to you right now? Impact. Impact is the biggest thing. Being able to have a greater positive impact on the land is my passion, my heart's desire. The thing that matters most to me is to be more efficient and have a bigger say, have a bigger impact overall. Because right now, you know, it's it's pretty much pretty much me and my partner and my ponies, and we're doing everything we can do to minimize our movements to where we're a ripple effect of positive impact upon the land, which is another just beautiful art to, to purify your movements to where you're just doing nothing but good. And that's a, that's something I'm really passionate about. Unfortunately, you know, and this is, this is why I reach out online for PayPal donations, which is, which is more or less to request people's participation. They can participate in this good thing. And, and that allows our impact to be greater because now we can go out and we can buy the equipment to make nurseries for things and set them up and, and uh, just go beyond what we can do with our two hands and legs right here, right now. And so we can, we can actually have a bigger influence. And that's, that's really, that's really any kind of interest I'd have in owning land or anything like that would be to use it to have a greater impact in the ecosystem. So give me some practical tips on minimizing movements. I mean, if, if you can't go live in the wild, uh, how do you minimize movements in your own backyard? Talk, talk to me about that and, and give me some practical tips. 
Well, I can tell you from a horse packer that wasted movement is wasted energy. And you don't want to make too much movements and going back and forth and forgetting stuff. No, when you're packing horses and and especially on the wilderness, you want everything to be done right. And so you want to kill two birds with one stone. So you're looking to do that. You're looking to kill two birds with one stone. So you have to strategize your movements before you start moving. That seems exhausting. That, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, it could be. Right. It could be if you start moving before you strategize. Yeah. Because then you're fumbling over yourself. But if you could see, but if you could see, oh, you know, this horse needs moved but I also need to go over to this other horse and untangle it. And then, and then I also have to give salt to the horse. So how am I going to do this in a way that makes sense? So it's not back and forth, back and forth. And of course and you, you can just, look at this too, in a larger perspective, right? I mean, you can look at this with it, it's a, much larger it, implications. And it's, I, and it's I a uni, it's a universal rule, you know, and, and it, it only is this life that demands it of you. Because I, I'll tell you what, you'll get exhausted if you're, if you're just working yourself to the bone, wasting movements, and and if you if you leave one loose end with horses, well now you're chasing eleven of them down the highway, and so so the horses will have you tighten up pretty quick because it's exhausting, and so really it's this life that demands you to move intelligently and diligently, and and you know I can't say. I can't say that about anybody else. And I certainly couldn't say that for myself when I was younger. And, you know, another thing this lifestyle demands is impeccability with your word and your actions. It just demands it of you. You can't be anything short of it because we live so publicly and we live so out from the norm that we really don't have a lot of room to be, you know, saying, saying things that we don't mean and, and, uh, you know, it's you got to be diligent. How many people are doing this right now? Do you have any idea? Me, I, I, I have. <laughs> you, uh, You're it. <laughs> I say, I say that, I say that because there's nobody that you could find that has a holistic life way implemented. All these traditional knowledge and skills implemented into a life way, you won't find that. You will find people traveling across the country on horseback. You will find people wild tending in vehicles. You will find people traveling on goats. What you won't find is a collection of historical knowledge wrapped up tight into one bundle and being lived. And not only that, but we take it further and further every year, learning more skills. And our education is unlimited. We just keep learning. What are you and, dreaming about right now in that teepee when you're laying there and you're thinking about next year and winter projects and I'm thinking about going a hundred percent all wild food. You know, this year we, we made miles. We traveled from North Idaho down to the Klamath basin, which is not, which is not an exponential amount of miles for a long distance horseback rider. But, you know, you got to look at the circumstances 
too for us because we adopted two BLM Mustangs fresh off the range last year, trained them up over the winter. And I took on a partner who has never done this before in her life. And we rode from the mountains of North Idaho all the way down into the Klamath Basin months without cell phone signal, no towns, nothing. And we're all here. We're all safe. Uh, Amanda just got her certificate signed. The horses are in good shape and in good health and they're officially hers. And so, so we're doing it. We're having a good time too. I, I just think it's wonderful. And when I hear it in your voice, and I think everyone that listens to this is going to hear it in your voice. There, there is a, there's a seriousness. This is no joke. It's a difficult life. And I love what you said, uh, in this one article that I found here where you said you don't go out seeking adventure. And, you know, Louis L'Amour used to say the same thing. In fact, one of my favorite books that he wrote, uh, The Education of a Wandering Man, he talks about this, where adventure is often not really fun <laughs> when you're no. having it, but it's something that we've romanticized looking back. What is adventure to you? Well, well, adventure is going to find you. It's going to be in your circumstances. You know, that, that's what it means. You don't have to go out of your way to look for adventure. And a lot of the people that we come across believe that that's what we're looking for. So they're going to recommend this trail that they hadn't seen in 20 years and might not even be there, probably isn't. And they're going to go recommend that adventure. And I can tell you firsthand, you did not want to do that. Yeah, and you're not after that. That's not what this is about, <laughs> which, is, no. which is the beauty in what you're doing. You know, you said earlier that... You knew you didn't want to work, and I can't help but see this as not only work, but a vocation, a vocation that you have, uh, you know, truly taken on. And I, I, think it's, I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful that you're able to do this, and what a gift to all of us who have forgotten. And I really appreciate that perspective, because, because that is, it is something that we're constantly struggling with in the psychology of the majority of the people is is seeing and and not acknowledging the work that we are doing and and recommending you know we straighten this out but uh, but i could tell you right now i could i could be disgustingly rich have a billion dollars and i won't shift a thing my impact will be greater though and that's what i want <laughs> what is the balance as far as talking about what you're doing and educating people and then actually doing it are you able to maintain that balance because i know social media it, it's exhausting i mean it'll just suck the life right out of you and i would think that there has to be an element of solitude in what you do and time this, to think. this what this brings up is something my mentor would always say and that's Phoenicia madrano uh, an infamous person throughout the west and would and in finn's time there were no cell phones so there was this credibility availability gap which means if you're credible you're out there busy doing it. And if you're available, you're not doing it. So there is that gap. What bridges that gap in this modern day is the cell phone. And and what a what a magic piece of magic. That is incredible. And so we're able to keep that alive. And and the main thing I use social media for is <laughs> it's basically my presentation to the world. <clears throat> My my posts are a combination of beautiful photographs, prose, poetry, and philosophy. And I, I write them all in the moment. 
I don't write them beforehand. I write them in the moment. And, and that's basically speaking up for these things, speaking up for these plants, speaking up for everything that we come in contact with. Yeah. Because it deserves acknowledgement. It's I been around it. here a very long time. And my wholehearted belief is, you know, when the foods that nurtured and cared for man in the environment, if those go away, there's nothing holding our place here on earth. It'd be completely artificial. And so we're planting like the wind. Mm. What do you say to people who who meet you along the way and have a thousand questions all about worries that we have, you know, in <laughs> who, who are living uh, in the modern world. What, what do you, what do you hope that they take away from you? I'm sure there's lots of questions like, you know, where do you go to the doctor? What do you do? I mean, all of that stuff that, that we think is important. What's the one that you really want them to take away? I would, well, I would hope that every interaction that we have would be a seed in their mind that this needs done, ultimately creating space in the world for something like this, a vision of return and renewal, because it needs space for. Because right now, as we go across and we go into towns and on the highways, the place for us is that easement between the highway and the fence. So it's a thin line we're walking. And we'd ask for a little bit more room. That's all we could ever hope for, which impeccability comes in again. We need our interactions to be solid and good. Yeah, I like that. Impeccability. <laughs> yeah. Michael, it, what can we do? Aside from sending you some, some money on PayPal there to help keep this going and to help buy supplies, especially for the winter, I, I, I'm sure that, uh, you know, when you live and you work around the weather and the seasons, the winter to me is an exciting time. It's a time when you can plan and when you can work and do those projects that, that happen in the margins and in this time of, of, of sort of eased burdens and, and preparation. But, but what can we do here in the modern world and in the city? You say you need a little more room, but, but give the, you know, give the young lady that's listening to this, uh, or the young guy, or the the old man, or the old woman, uh, give them something tangible that they can do right now that that helps give more room, or or something. If they want to get involved in this, how how can they do that? Participation comes to mind, and <clears throat> participation is an all inclusive action, and so and so it's really difficult to offer what I would like to encourage people to participate with when they're so far away. And so, so I have a lot to share online that bridges that gap big time. Yeah, it and, sure does. <clears throat> and you, you have some wonderful photography and in, in a way that people can see into your world a little bit at a time and you can follow him at, by the way, it's just at walking with Western wildflowers, which we will share uh, and link to in this show. You can find them on, Really, all of the major platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and then, of course, uh, PayPal. Don't forget PayPal. <laughs> send him, some, send him some, some money so he can, uh, he can help buy facilities. You, wh how much of, of what you consume right now 
comes from the wild. I know you said that's your dream to be a hundred percent wild food, but, but how much of it are you at right now? Where, where are you? Currently at this moment, very little because, because we're in a transition point. And I don't, I don't know if I could do it without a little Debbie every once in a while or something. Well, you you know, that, that might be okay. But if you're committed to an all wild diet, that little Debbie's going to, little Debbie's not going to hurt you. It is. It's going to ruin everything. And and I'm guessing, yeah, I bet it does. And I, and I bet that you feel so much better. It's true. And you know, it's, it's, it's entirely circumstantial. So this last season, for instance, we're making miles when we're, when we're traveling through States and across country and making long distance. Some years are like that for me. Some years I'll just be like, I want to go there and I'll go. And, and that's a job traveling through multiple States, having a long distance goal. Packing is your job. And that's five days a week, two days of rest for the horses. And, and, you know, and packing itself is, is an eight hour is an eight hour gig it from from breakdown to setup it's full time and so obviously there's not a whole lot of time to go out and dig your food it isn't only until you have a place of break you can do that and so on those long travel years it's not as much wild food as i like but the intention in coming to the klamath basin will be here in the klamath basin next year so we're not going to be making long distance trips. And this is this is Valhalla for you. I mean, it really is. It is it is a land of milk and honey that uh, hopefully you're going to find. It really is. And you've got to be excited about this. What what are you looking most forward to to tasting come spring? Oh, you know, the favorite flavor that I have is a special plant called Dagger Pod. And the flavor of dagger pot is synonymous with broccoli. And I cannot get enough of it. I just want it all. (laughs) (laughs) It's your little Debbie. (laughs) I love it. I I think it's great. Dagger paw. I've never even, I wouldn't know a dagger paw if it, if it, you know, walked up to me. What, what, what does it look like? Oh, it's, it's one of the most abstract low lying plants you, you just ever seen. And the transformation that it makes from blossom to seed is like, what? You're the same thing. <laughs> wow. And which, which touches onto a lot of the projects, uh, you know, doing the living it life this way, you have so much more available to you than other people. Even, even botanists with degrees don't live with the plants like we do. So I've actually, over the years, I've been collecting a series of photographs, which will be made into a book. And I haven't decided if it's going to be a free resource to the, to the indigenous peoples of this land. And, or, or uh, open to the public, but it's it's going to be entirely food, and it's going to be what each of these foods look like through their seasonal transitions, which are dramatic sometimes. It's incredible, and there's no resource guide out there like that. There isn't. I, and, I'm just envisioning like cooking with Michael Ridge. First, walk into the <laughs> wild for seven years and grow your plants, you know, and find them and. Tend to, I, Michael, thank you for what you're doing. And listen, the, the time has flown by. We've we've been talking for 26 minutes. Wow. I haven't I haven't asked you about tanning. I haven't asked you about anything that I that I have on my list here because you're just so fascinating, and it's so much more than than just walking with Western wildflowers that you're tending to. I mean, you're really you're tending to this 
this great awakening, hopefully, uh, that is happening all across the country where I meet people and I come in contact with them and they're interested in farming. They're interested in permaculture. They're interested in, in returning to the land. And I, I think that that's fascinating. And I think it's guys like you who are leading the way and mentoring us, uh, you know, in, in mentoring us into the future. And I, I, I cannot thank you enough for preserving well, all of this. All of this, all of this still exists. So it's a personal obligation that I picked it up to defend it, to live it, to push it forward into the future. And it's really special because each season, each season has something unique and special for you to be doing. And, and so we're busy every day out of the year. We're busy. It's always good stuff. I love it. And it's, and uh, so this year we'll be, we'll be hosting a free brain tanning and clothes making to all the local Klamath and Modocs here. We've been we've been getting hides in, and so we we're gonna offer that. It's free. Anybody that wants to learn how to brain tan and make clothes, we we do that and we do it well and we make everything. And so we're offering ourselves in that way. And in the springtime, we'll be hosting a big plant walk to show everybody the vast, intricate gardens that are out here. You can and follow I him. Moved. You can follow him right there at Walking with Western Wildflowers. Whether it's on facebook or instagram you can follow michael ridge our guest on uh, this episode michael i didn't mean to cut you off there i wanted to get that in before the one minute mark rolls around what 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 did you want to say and what do you want us to take away from this well you know it's really easy for me to overload people very easy especially face-to-face interactions so i appreciate i appreciate you reaching out to me and talking and and i and i hope it's it's satisfactory to you and and i hope uh, it's it's good all around Will you come back? Will you come back on and talk to us some more? Anytime. Michael Ridge, you are definitely history worth saving, and I cannot thank you enough for tonight's conversation. Truly, truly special, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Matt Jolly. We'll talk soon. Be safe out there, and you have a wonderful, wonderful winter. Likewise. All right. Michael Ridge, everyone, walking with Western wildflowers. Listen, you can find more about History Worth Saving at historyworthsaving.com. If you want to support Michael, you can follow him. We're going to link to all of his web, well, his website, the PayPal link, Facebook and Instagram. And, and by the way, if you have not already signed up for the newsletter, please do so there at historyworthsaving.com. We'll stay in touch. I'm sorry about our October newsletter. You know, Hurricane Zeta came in. I had to get out and clear some of the deadfall on our farm and we had trees down everywhere and made things unsafe. We got it all cleaned up and we're moving forward, but the newsletter was late. So got that out. November is going to be great. And listen, whatever you're doing, wherever you're at, find the good in this great nation of ours. Get out there and know your neighbor. So long for now, everyone.